So we've heard what you've had to say, and a lot of you are saying that you love the discussion that we have amongst each other, but you're not really interested in wrestling that much. A thing that ruined it a little bit for me was I was standing next to my fucking useless brother. So that was a- <laughs> Yeah, you told me we're doing Sting Invader. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you're asking me about shit from 35 years ago. I didn't have any friends in Buffalo at the time, so I wasn't familiar with Buffalo at all. It was just a dirty place on the other side of the border. <laughs> yeah. Freaked the hell out of me when I looked at the rankings and I saw Conan, Austin, Jericho, us. <laughs> it's hilarious, right? It's crazy. You don't want to listen to all that wrestling bullshit, then follow us on YouTube. On YouTube, we'll cut up all the intro segments and some of the games and post them on there as clips. And so if you're not interested in the matches, go over to YouTube and subscribe to our channel. It's Six Man Tag Podcast. It's time for you to tag in. Don't forget to like and subscribe. You know, me and Gene, they got this place appropriately named the Garden. As you look out there, you see a bunch of vegetables sitting around there. A bunch of nothing-happening Yankee melon farming people. Everybody knows the government keeps their troops in shape. And as far as hurtling drunks down at the barry at 5 o'clock in the morning, I have done it all and I have set all records. We're talking about brothers. We've often talked about brothers on this show. Mostly about my disappointment. But today we're going to try and take a positive spin on things. We're going to talk about memories of our brothers doing something good or having a good memory of some event that they were part of or something good or positive that they did. Jim, anything come to mind immediately? Yeah, I don't know how deep I want to get into this specific thing, but I'll talk about it. Um, So... My brother, Michael, was in the military when my Mm -hmm. mom passed away. Okay. And I was 12, and my dad didn't handle it well. And to be honest, now that I'm older, I don't know how well I would handle it. Sorry, Jim, how much older is he than you? He is, I believe he's 12 or 13 years older than me. Okay, so he's about 25 at that time. Right. And he comes home from the military, and... Um, my dad goes away for a while. He just he just couldn't handle it. And my brother single handedly raised me for six months. And I thought he was a jerk at the time because he would just come out of the military. So everything was very strict. And I had to be home at a certain time. I remember like I forgot my keys because I lived fairly close to the school, like maybe two miles away. And I forgot my keys and I kept forgetting my keys at school. And so I came home and the door was locked and he's like, go back and get your keys and he wouldn't let me in the, and he wouldn't let me in the house but like he was subtly teaching me all these lessons but more important than any of that that dude put his life on hold for 6 months at like prime years of his life to take care of me and like i don't know a lot of people that would do that whether they were related to you or not you've had two good instances with bro- is this the same brother who paid for no. the heater no no okay no. So you've got two great memories of your brothers. That's great. I'm hard-pressed to find one. Okay, Jim. (laughs) (laughs) Great, great story, Jim. I'm impressed. I think that deserves a pat on the back for him. Very, very nice. Anything great. I I don't have anything like that, man. He's a good good dude. He's a good father. He was a good uncle. He's a good husband. You know, I don't have anything crazy in particular that I could think of, but, you know, all in all, he's a solid kid. You know what? I 
I have good memories of your brother. Like he was super nice to me, like super, super nice. Him and Amber went out of their way to include me and stuff. And when you were busy or when craziness was going down, that was too crazy for me. They'd take me out. They'd go, hey, let's go do this or let's go do that. or let's. And so for a while there, when I'd come over, I'd hang out with him. I really, really like the guy. Super nice, super friendly, doesn't have a bad word to say about most people unless they're a real dickhead. And so I think he gets along well with people. I don't I don't see him as co- causing trouble or somebody you'd have fights with ever. No, I want to jump like in. That many fights. Sorry, yeah. Jim. I got to jump in here. Um, I think it's funny that Tarek can more easily talk about your brother than his own brother. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Mike. So you didn't have many fights with him, right? Not really. No, I could probably I could remember them. There were probably like three of them throughout her, you know. Oh, that's good. That's and they good. were like stupid shit over toys and stuff, you know? And it was like, you know, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. Not, not when you were adults. Big. No. I see. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he's a good guy. Very great guy. I think he's great. So uh, I'm hard-pressed to come up with a good memory of my brother. My brother, uh, Mike, I didn't ask you. How many years younger is your brother than you? Three. Three, right. So my brother's three and a half younger than me. So roughly the same thing. So I have a, a younger brother. I was kind of placed in charge of him at times, you know, and so I had to take care of him and my parents forced me to take him with me. So he became a burden when I was, you know, 15, 16, 17. I I didn't want to do that very much. And so a lot of troubles started then for me. But later in life, you know, when I matured and I tried to treat him in a better way or try to be better about how I was with him, he was probably already, you know, of the mindset, like my brother's a dickhead. And so I think a lot of that, like a lot of the tension stems from there. But I'm going to tell you something not particularly good, but something that I'm kind of proud of. But it's, <laughs> but it's not something I saw. It's something I heard from somebody else. So my brother loves to fight. He loves to fight. Like he, if he gets a chance to fight some random person, he doesn't hesitate. Like he hesitates with people around him. I don't know why. Like, I've had lots of conflict with him. And when I've tried to start a fight with him, even though he's physically bigger than me and stronger than me, like, you know, he always backs down or always hesitates to physically fight. I, no matter how much I push it, he won't fight me. And so <laughs> I wound up from one of his friends. Well, I was at school. I came home from school and everybody in the house, there's like this strange vibe. So there's this guy named Jimmy. And I go, yeah, so Jimmy, I go, what's going on? Like, what's up? He goes, your brother, man. He goes, let me tell you. So we go outside. He doesn't want to talk about it in front of my brother because he knows my brother will probably get upset or nervous or whatever. So there's these guys that came from a rival high school to fight the kids from my brother's high school. So there's these two high schools that are having this big rivalry. These kids come in and for some reason, one of them tries to fight with my brother. And so my brother doesn't back down and he's fighting the guy and they, they run away. Eventually, the guys run away. They run away. They go in their car. They start driving from their car off of the school property. They stop at the stop sign. My brother sees them, runs over to the car, punches his hand through the glass, grabs the guy and pulls him out of the window, starts beating the shit out of him on the ground. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and so like, it's great. That's fucking incredible, right? And so he's just beating the shit out of the guy. And all my brother's friends have to stop him like, it's enough, it's enough, it's enough. So they let him go. And then they let the guy go. And my brother comes home like nothing's happened. Doesn't say anything to me. Doesn't mention a word of it. <laughs> never never brags. Never says like, I beat the fuck out of this guy or beat the fuck out of that guy. 
So like hearing that made me so much happier because three days before that, we went to a jujitsu class and I tapped him. (laughs) 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 So like, I was like, yes, I just tapped this motherfucker. So I, I felt great. Like he's a legit badass who's not afraid to fight and he'll fight anybody anywhere for any reason, for any kind of like minor reason. And I can tap him. So it made me feel good about myself. <laughs> That's crazy. Cause he was like the most cool and calm and chill dude. He was like, so calm with you, right? With you. Yeah. But, yeah. I yeah. Mean, it was funny, but I mean, I, I don't, I, I pictured like, I don't, I guess I could see it. You know, he was yeah. a little tank, but I, yeah. That's crazy. Cause he, he was like so relaxed. Yeah. Like if he gets on your good side or if he likes you, he'll treat you like gold. But if he doesn't like you, he'll treat you like garbage. So he doesn't have any in between in that sense. Like this, it's just on or off with him. But yeah, he was good to you. He liked you. He was really yeah, nice. He got off the couch to get me a pizza. That was fucking amazing. <laughs> yeah, that's, <laughs> that's rare. <laughs> oh, it's rare. Okay, yeah. So the reason why we're talking about brothers is because of this week's match, we're going to talk about very famous wrestling brothers. But before that, when you think about wrestling brothers, other than the guys who are in today's match, who are like some of the brothers that come to mind? Jim? Oh, the Steiner brothers right away. Anybody else? Um, that's that's where I always do. De- I mean, the Wyndhams never really were a good team together, but like no, right, no. But but you know the Wyndhams like uh, the Usos. Right, the Usos recently, more recently, right. That's all. Mike really Eric, man. Mike Von Eric's good. Anybody else? I mean, my favorite are the new Briscoe brothers. I love those two. Their work, their 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 like appearance, their presentation, their attitude. I think they're they're awesome. So the ones that I, I researched through a whole bunch and I found a couple, some of, of course came to mind right away. The ones that I liked were the funks, but they're the both awesome. Yeah. But they're yeah. both accomplished singles guys, right? Like they don't need, they're not necessarily a team, but they worked well as a team, but they're both excellent singles guys as well. Right. So I don't think you think of them as tag brothers per se, then Harlem heat, they're real brothers. Okay. Yeah. Harlem, yeah, I didn't know the Harlem heat. Yeah. And then, uh, couple of different brothers the rougeau brothers awesome awesome right yeah great very good then i don't know if you consider this a brothers or a family but the entire Hart clan bret hart owen hart bruce hart aldo smith Hart, all those Hart guys bret hart and uh, owen hart i don't have too many memories of them tagging together i know owen worked with neidhart and uh, bret worked with neidhart but i don't remember too much of them being together as a team and then uh Savage and Poffel, great. Yeah. I thought, yeah, great brothers. They never worked together on a big scale. Like, they never worked together on WWF or WWE. No, that was more WWF. Memphis. Right, more Memphis and that stuff. And I heard lots of stories about how Savage took care of uh, Lanny Poffel in his WCW contract negotiations. And, man, he loved his brother. He fucking loved his brother. Do you know what he did for him? Do you know about that, Jim? No. Yeah. So he said to Eric Bischoff, he goes, look, I'm leaving WWF. I'm going to come to WCW and Slim Jim is coming with me. Slim Jim's coming with me. They're going to give you all this advertising money. They will pay you $150,000 a year to use my character rights while you license them from me while I'm at WCW. And you're going to use that money to keep my brother on payroll. So it's going to cost you nothing to hire Lanny Puffle. You don't have to use them if you don't want to use them. And nice. Like, all right. Isn't that beautiful? That's fucking incredible. That's cool, man. Yeah, yeah, so his Lanny Puffle was paid all throughout Savage's career while he was at WCW. Didn't work not once. It's fucking amazing. That's great. 
Yeah, and then another couple of young brothers that I I realized that I don't know why we miss them, but oh the God. young bucks. Yeah, what the hell? Yeah. Oh yeah, duh. <laughs> yeah, they're like I think the they're at the forefront of great brothers today. Okay, so yeah, we've covered a whole bunch of good brothers. We missed Cody and Dustin, but they didn't really work together that much. Just as Stardust and Goldust thing for a little bit. The Valiants. And the Beverly Brothers, Ole <laughs> and Arn Anderson, and the yeah. Valiants are not real brothers. None of them are. None of them. Nice. Yeah, I thought the Valiants were real brothers, too. They kind of look it, right? Like, they look like they could brothers. Yeah, but Jimmy Valiant is not at all related to Johnny Valiant. No, there's no relation. Gary Valiant, too. Right, there's a third Valiant. I think the two of them would have been real. Maybe two of them are real, but Jimmy Valiant, for sure, is a totally different guy from the other two. So I thought that was kind of unusual. But yeah, so brothers, there's lots of brothers in wrestling. And today's match features two brothers, so the Briscoe brothers, many of our listeners out there might be familiar with Jerry Briscoe, who worked as one of the Stooges in the 90s Attitude Era. If you've never seen his matches, you're in for a treat because today's match was fucking excellent. Okay, so the match was uh, Murdoch and Adonis from 1984. It was in Madison Square Garden. And I'm going to talk about a lot of stuff before the match today. First, the aura of MSG at that time was special. What do you think about when you saw the original, like just the scene, not the match? Jim, how did it hit you? It reminded me of the first matches I would watch on TV, like the big matches they would show on like... Not Maple Leaf Wrestling, but like some of the the side shows they would show some of the oh I had I might have had MSG so they would show some of the bigger MSG matches right. so like that's I think that's where Sa- maybe Savage won in MSG I don't remember but like yeah like and the crowd is super hot and like they're in on everything like they're they're calling out all the bad guys for doing all the evil things like everybody's super invested Mike what'd you yeah, think man yeah it's awesome I think you think about Snooka like on top of the cage oh yeah. Yeah, I loved, like, I don't know how to explain it, but the grainy quality of the video gave it some kind of, like, mystique. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, it, yeah, it, it took you back in time to watching it as when you were a kid, when we watched it on those old, like, those shitty-ass TVs, right? Like, that, that the visuals, like, it's it held true, and it took me back in time. And I loved, like, the echo of Finkel's ring announcing or the the way the crowd responded to certain things going on in the match. It's a, a very, very nostalgic, very beautiful. And I think for the time, it was the place to be. It was it was great. It was great. Then I noticed something really strange. The ropes for the ring are super fucking loose at this time. So loose. Yeah, right. It's almost so like wobbly. a kid. Yeah, it's like a kid put this ring together. I don't know why. <laughs> I don't I don't know if it was by design, but like even my WWF superstars wrestling ring that I built with plastic in the corner with those like red ropes and the white rope and the blue rope like that rubbery kind of rope even <laughs> those ropes are tighter you know what i mean like this is ridiculous oh, no doubt so there's no way you're going off of the ropes in any big way for any kind of like vaulting moves right that it's not gonna happen yes. yeah okay then the referee okay so i've got lots uh, to say <laughs> I've got lots he's to great say. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> he was like a flying squirrel he's fucking ridiculous because this is jack Lutz. His name is Jack Lutz. 
he refereed a lot of big matches in the early 80s. And Mike, did you recognize him? Yeah, He's, but I, I he, couldn't think of what his name was. I, re- I remembered the face. Do you recognize him from later in life? He was in The Sopranos. Get out. Really? Yeah, he became an actor. He left refereeing to work on other shows. He was on The Sopranos. He was in uh, like a whole bunch of mob movies. And so More he, than one episode? or I, I don't know, but he did lots of acting credited work in like uh like that mob genre and his main claim to fame is he was in the sopranos jack lutz you can search i don't know what wow. i didn't watch sopranos but yeah so his other his other claim to fame is com- being completely out of fucking position oh my god so he's count sucks balls he <laughs> he's always out of position he doesn't understand what the job of a referee is and the only thing that i thought that was good about him was that he was short, so he made the wrestlers look big. Like that was the only positive I had to take away from this guy. Fucking terrible. And we'll get to spots in the match where he made lots of errors. So we'll come to that. But he's on my scale of all the referees so far. He's even lower than Nick Patrick. That's how much oh, I hate this guy. Yeah. <laughs> what about Dick Reigns? Does he still got yeah. thrown? Yeah, yeah. So I'm gonna say Jack Lutz. Nick Patrick, then Dick Reigns, so bottom one, two, three. Wow. Lots being the worst. Yeah. <laughs> I got a kick out of this guy with the way he flew, flew around the ring, the little old yeah. man. I, I liked how he flew around, but everything else was fucking awful. awful. The, best, yeah. the best thing to me, real quick, the best thing to me was that during Murdoch's kickout, he got hit in the face with a right, hand. He punched him right in the face, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I wondered if that was like on purpose for him fucking up everything. Or <laughs> you never know with Dick Murdoch. Yeah, you never know. Okay, so you mentioned Murdoch. Let's get into it. So Adrian Adonis and Dick Murdoch are the first ever official WWF Tag Team Champions. They're the first. Before them, it's the NWA WWF Tag Team Champions. These are the first ever WWF Champions. They're called the North-South Connection. What did you think of these guys as a team, Jim? Yeah, they're the good. They're a good old school brawler and cheat team and it's way and it's nice to see adonis not as adorable adrian mm. yeah mike what'd you think what were they called the north south connection yeah the north south connection north being yeah, they, adonis is from new york right yeah they were the east west connect him and uh adonis and ventura in the right. they're the east west connection i right. i love these two guys i i haven't seen them in a while i remember them as a tag team i remember seeing them before but i haven't seen them in a while they're so frigging animated I, yes. I think it's hilarious. I love watching Murdoch sell. I can yeah. watch that yeah. dude sell all day. It's yeah. fucking great. It's such a beautiful art form. And Adonis is great too. But like, I, I that's one thing I always remembered about Murdoch is the guy was fucking hilarious how he sold. 90% of the comments throughout my match are about how great Murdoch selling is. So we're going to come <laughs> to those. But you're right. He's fucking fantastic. He's on another level. Holy yeah. another level. Yeah. So we've got Adonis and Murdoch on one side. The reason why they're fighting the Briscoes in this match or the story behind this match is the Briscoes won a non-title match. That was a big thing in the past. Two guys would fight. One guy would win a non-title match. Then they'd qualify for getting a title match. And then the title match would have some kind of finish, right? So this is why these two teams are pitted against each other. And it's a great showdown. It's a contrast in styles. So before the match even started, I expected something good. One side's a brawling team. One side's a technical team. It should be a great match. Before we start, let's get into the commentary. Monsoon here, right? Very, very meat and potatoes. He did nothing wrong. 
but he needs somebody with him. I don't think he's good on his own. What do you think, Jim? There's very few announcers that can carry on their own, but I think that was just the style back then. I think this was this is pre-Vince jazzing everything up and making it the production value super high. Right, right. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Mike, what do you think? Yeah, you were used to hearing him with like Bobby Heenan or something, which you know he's the he's the greatest of all time. So yeah, I, <laughs> you know by by himself, it's it's not easy to do. That's right. I, but you know what? I think Monsoon did a good job of like a very meat and potatoes type of commentary. Like this is this move, this is this move, this is uh like what we can expect from Briscoe. This is what we can expect from Adonis. It there's nothing wrong with it. It's just not entertaining for the non wrestling fan. I think. No, it just it did fit the time though. But I, I hear what you're saying. And then one thing that I did like that he did really well was he really put over the Briscoes in a big way, and he really made Adonis and Murdoch seem like the bad heels. And like he he took a stance, right? Like I, I'm a a pro Briscoe commentator, and so you had the feeling of cheering or wanting to root for the Briscoes. I, I like that. I thought he did that very well, very very well. Yes. Yeah. yeah he defined okay. everyone's role. Okay, then, before the match starts, I, I'm going to talk about this. I think we're going to have a little bit of a discussion here. But Adrian Adonis has one of the weirdest bodies in wrestling. When I see him, <laughs> right, it's almost like a T-Rex. You know how the T-Rex has like those itty-bitty arms? Yeah. He, he's got those itty-bitty legs. How those legs carried his upper torso was shocking to me. Like, it looks ridiculous, but incredibly agile. Jim, what do you think? Yeah, he's... He he does have a very unique physique and like he kind of filled out as he got older. And I don't know if it was just like he was like he did like twice a week leg day or I don't know what the deal was. But like, yeah, it's very odd. Yeah, Mike, any thoughts about Adonis? He, look- yeah, he didn't look like he should throw a nice drop kick, but he, he did. I mean, he could yeah. get up there. He can move for, for his size. But, yo, he was definitely he was built like a medicine ball. with, with like <laughs> Right, right. And, and you're right. He's super agile. I think when he was in the East-West Connection or back like in the beginning of his career, he was probably in really good shape at one point, right? Yeah, you guys I don't remember, remember him being that robust in the uh, in the midsection. Right. And then that came on later. And I watched an interview with uh, Danny Spivey. Danny Spivey talked about having to beat the shit out of Adrian Adonis. And he just talked about like Adrian Adonis got on like this big drug thing and he started doing lots of coke and lots of like all kinds of stuff and then he let himself go and that's what attributed to his weight gain like he started like gaining weight once he started getting into drugs and stuff and so that's how he got into this shape but originally he was like in a a really good shape when he first started wrestling so yeah 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 i remember i remember seeing him in good shape kind of this is the beginning of the end of his physique here right okay then the match starts and uh, i'm gonna talk about a spot that Right, it happens right in the beginning. Start the match, go to the tie-up. Jack Briscoe whips Murdoch into the rope, does a hip toss out of the corner, and he jumps into what looks like a flying figure four. It was one of the smoothest, most beautiful transitions into figure four I've ever seen. Have you ever seen like anything like that since, Jim? No, there's, there's always like, a stop set up for it. Like nobody, nobody does a figure. That would be something to bring that somebody should bring back. Hell yeah. So I've never smooth. seen it. It was great. Wasn't it Mike? Yeah. It's, it's amazing when there's things you haven't seen because everybody, you know, they see one thing and then everybody does it. So like something like I, that should have been redone. I think the guys today have the athletic ability to do it faster than Jack Briscoe does. And so I'm sure it'll look even way sharper than it did at that time. But the transition there. It's just so beautiful. Oh, it's fucking 
perfect, perfect. And that was one thing that stuck out. Then, again, in the very early stages of the match, is Murdoch throwing work punches or are they shoot punches? <laughs> I don't know. But they're great. They're fucking great. Yeah, I noticed that too. Excellent. Like, he he's making contact with his fist every time on the guy's head. He's not, like, trying to punch his own hand or punch off to the side. He's connecting with every punch. And most of them right in the forehead. Right, the, the hardest part of the head. And yeah. so, yeah, and so either his hand is taking the brunt of that or the head is taking the brunt of that. But I think that's a, a style of punch that we don't see much anymore. If we do, it looks really cheap, right? It doesn't look as sharp yeah. as it does here. No, he was excellent. Let's get into the selling. Okay, there's a, a point here that I want to have a long talk about. So Murdoch has been punching Jack Briscoe a bunch. It's still in the, the early stages of the match. And Jack Briscoe reverses it and hits Murdoch with a left. Like, Monsoon called it a left, but really, it's more of a like a forearm. Like, it's like a forearm to the face. And then Murdoch falls down into a three-point stance. And then he's flat on his face. And Briscoe doesn't yes. know what to do, right? He's like flat on his face. Briscoe stands back. And then Murdoch tries to get up, stumbles getting up. Then when he does get up, he doesn't have balance right and it's such a beautiful believable sell for what he received and this instantly when i saw this i felt like somebody should take this tape to sean michaels and show him like when he oversold for hogan flailing like a fish (laughs) out of water and like doing all that unprofessionally looking like oh here's a clothesline i'm gonna fly around like a fucking dickhead like that kind of overselling was so cartoonish, it ruined the match itself. It made it look like he's shitting on pro wrestling as an industry because you're in the ring with the greatest hero of wrestling during the 80s and you make him look like shit by trying to oversell. Murdoch also oversold, but he made Briscoe look like a million bucks here by overselling. I thought he was a work of art. Mike, what'd you think? Oh, yeah, I agree. Totally. And Briscoe shows, you know, what a good guy he is by not going after him at that point. As the announcers like was a girl that was calling, you know, saying you got to get after him. You got to get after him. Right. You're right. And so he's by standing off. He shows he's a gentleman, right? Like he doesn't yeah, yeah. take advantage. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Jim, what do you think about that? Um, I thought that was great. And another spot I want to bring up. We're talking about spots we haven't seen. Mm-hmm. I don't think I've ever seen this spot. And that's when Murdoch is desperately trying to tag Adonis. Oh, yeah, we're coming to that. Yeah. And, okay, okay. Yeah, yeah, we're coming to that. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> You're right. We, I, we'll get into it, I promise. Okay, then, before we get there, he does another thing, right? So he goes again to oversell a second left hand, like, soon after that, and he gets, like, goes through the ropes, goes to the outside, okay? Yeah. The camera zooms in, and Murdoch's face looks like he's about to die, and... <laughs> there are a few guys today, like I think another guy today who does this well is Randy Orton. He doesn't know where the camera is or what's watching, like who's watching him from where. But when he's selling something, his facials are really great. But Murdoch's on another level. He makes it look so fucking believable. WE, so the camera's everywhere. Right. Yeah. Right, right, right. Constantly right. changing. Right, right. Constantly changing every few seconds, right? So you have to yeah. always be facially silent. But other than Randy Orton, a lot of the guys just go through the moves, right? Like they bump, get up, move, bump. They're not like expressing what's really happening to them in terms of pain. 
Murdoch, not knowing where the camera is, he's always like selling, which is great. Really, really great. But once he goes to the outside, fucking Jack Lutz should have gone over to Briscoe or should have gone over to Adonis so that he's not standing right in front of Murdoch when he grabs a case and smashes Briscoe with the case. Right. <laughs> like, yeah. Right. So like he's standing right in front of them. And so what happens is Monsoon starts rel- yelling at the referee. Referee, what are you doing? And so all the heat goes off of Murdoch and goes on to the referee. The crowd's booing. They're getting angry at the ref because he's supposed to disqualify them there. And so his lack of positioning or poor positioning loses all of Murdoch's heat. And I wonder if that's not why Murdoch punched him in the face. If I was him, I would have been pissed that like you stole all my heat by being in the wrong place. And so I, I'm not sure if that was or wasn't a receipt, but I think that referee positioning was what ruined that entire spot. Jim, what do you think about all that? Yeah, I think I, 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 it's amazing that the refing was so bad and yet it didn't wreck this match. Like, like we talk a lot about how the ref can just take the wind right out of it. And even as bad as he is, it's still super enjoyable. I agree with you. Great. It, it was a fan. I think that's an attribute to how good these four guys are. Right. Okay. Then Jerry Briscoe gets a tag and he does. I'm going to say this is the second best arm drag I've ever seen. I'm still going with Ricky Steamboat number one. But what do you think about the arm drag, Mike? Beautiful. I, I made me think of Steamboat too. Yeah, Steamboat, Steamboat all the way. I think we got accustomed to seeing him a lot as a stooge. And to see him move around like this was kind of amazing, right? I, did, I didn't expect him to be that athletic. Really, well, so many really more good. people like that are, you know, watching wrestling now. Well, maybe not because it's an older audience, I guess, if you, if you see like what the demos are in the ratings. But, uh, you know, more people remember them as, as you know, remember him as a stooge. Not, not everybody knows, like, you know, just how good they were. So I kind of wanted to pick that the match for that reason, because I wanted to maybe see them, you know, a little bit more for who they were and not. You know, yeah, and it was a good choice because actually this match is great and actually it, it's a good showcase for their skills. It shows everything they can do, everything they can do, right? And then from there, they continue going back to the figure four again and again and again and again. It's like the current version of today's arm bar, right? We got like a hot spot for like a potential finish. Guys go for the arm bar and somebody grabs a rope, right? Like So yeah. like we think of the figure four, like the figure four is the 80s version of today's arm bar. But it's such an easy move to reverse out of. You just have to turn over. Right? Like I, I don't think the audience was aware of it at that time. But what are your thoughts of the figure four as a finish or as a submission, Mike? Well, I loved it back then. I was a big flair guy, and I, and I put it on a few people before, so it was kind of fun. <laughs> it, <laughs> but, it, but yeah, it, I mean, a lot of people used it back then. He wasn't the only one using it. It is a setup spot. You know, Dust, Dusty used it as, as one of his kind of finishers. Buddy Landau or Greg Valentine, there were tons of guys that used it. Yeah, it looks good, right? Like it, the audience, it's easy for them to picture what's going on. If you do it in the middle of the rope, in the middle of the ring, like, you know, it's a nice visual. And so I like the way it looks. What do you think about it, Jim? I think it's one of the few holds in the history of wrestling that sells well still as a wear down hold or a finisher. And I don't yeah. think I could, I don't yeah. think I can name another one. Because yeah, when, because right. like when the power bomb was overused, now it's just a setup move. No, nobody, it wouldn't be believable to finish with a power bomb now. Right, and so the figure four is, I think, a better transitionary move for moving to a finish or actually having a finish. Right, it's one of the few that you can do that. You're right. You're right. Okay, then 
we get to the point, Jim. Exactly as you talked about. Yeah. And, okay, so in wrestling, at this time especially, right, if we think about tag wrestling, one of the things that was going on in tag team wrestling at this time was the hot tag. And so what would happen for the audience who doesn't know is the bad guys would interchangeably switch when the referee was distracted without tagging. Sometimes even when they were in tag distance, they just switch just to get the crowd angry. And then the good guys would tag and the ref wouldn't see it. And so then the referee would replace the guy and make him go out of the ring. And then the good guy would try to get a tag, desperately get a tag, and he couldn't get it. But in this match, they did the reverse of the hot tag, right, Jim? And it's amazing. Yeah, it was. I don't ever remember seeing a reverse of the hot tag where the good guy is preventing the bad guy from tagging out and the bad guy's desperately trying to get there, and the crowd is cheering for the tag not to happen. Do you ever remember seeing a spot like that, Mike? I've never seen that. That was cool as fuck, man. That was really yeah. cool. And the crowd was so hot. Yeah, the crowd was so hot, Jim. You're right. That that was a. I think that's a key moment of this match for me. Like, there's other good stuff, but that I don't know what you'd call the reverse hot tag spot. You're right, Jim. It was perfect and. The way Murdoch is flailing and Adonis is desperately trying to reach into the ring and they're trying to get as far as they can. You know, like Adonis is trying to get as far into the ring as he can and Murdoch as far as he can towards the corner made it look all the more better. Yeah, it was great. Great spot, right? Okay, then they did something here that I don't know if you noticed. And again, Lutz fucked it up. But <laughs> when when they went to the rest spot, so we talked about McMahon covering up rest spots in matches by highlighting the main event, right? So like when they go to rest spot, he goes, oh, tonight Diesel is going to fight one, two, three kid, whatever, whatever he's talking about. But what happened here was Murdoch goes to the tag rope and starts messing with the tag rope. As he's messing with the tag rope, that fucking Lutz should be there (laughs) telling him, yo, why are you messing with the tag rope? Stop messing with the tag rope. So the audience attention and all the heat comes on to Murdoch. But he just looks at Murdoch and looks away. <laughs> goes back. And so now it looks like they're just resting in the ring. And Murdoch is like doing something ridiculous on the outside. It didn't make any sense because Murdoch had no intention of taking off the tag rope. He couldn't take off the tag rope. And so it just looks like Murdoch is dumb in the end. It was a fucking shit. It was terrible. Terrible, terrible, terrible. Yeah, I didn't get that either. So I was like, what? Yeah, like I want to say back in the day, like somebody used to say, what a lots. And it meant they were like, <laughs> they were like an idiot. But, right. but like, yeah, like, what are you, what are you, like, you have one very minor job. Like, what are you doing? But then from there, the guys actually save the match, right? They, they do so many great things. Murdoch and Adonis take control of, of this match and they go to a spot that I had a flashback of once they delivered it, but I didn't remember that they did it. Adonis does the backbreaker and Murdoch comes off the top with the knee. Oh, yeah. It looks so yeah. fucking crisp. Oh my god. That's good. Yeah, really good, right? Great, great spot. Then right after that, I think Murdoch accidentally creates the brain buster. Yep, no doubt. Right? This this is probably the yeah. origin of the brain buster. He picks up, I believe it's Jerry Briscoe, holds him up in a suplex, and then he can't, or he's selling that his right leg is hurting, so he can't go backwards. And he falls straight down on his right side, resulting in one of the cleanest brain busters I've ever seen. It's beautiful. Beautiful. But I think it was accidental. Guys saw that 
and said, hey, that's a move. Let's do that. And then they started making that a move because I don't remember ever seeing it before any time before this. It was really great. What do you think about that brain buster, Mike? Perfect, man. Perfect. He looked pretty much everything that he does. Yeah, maybe it was the origin. I don't know. Jim? Yeah, I, I like it stood out to me as being a, a, a very, very early instance of it, because it's almost like when you listen to Monsoon, like he's not calling it something else. He's just right. calling it a suplex. Right. A yeah. failed suplex. Right. Yeah, that's right. what I said. Right. Yeah. Right. Right. My guess is that's where it starts. OK, then from here, there's a couple of things I've been watching wrestling a long time. But I had no idea what a Western rollover was. Did you guys know that? I didn't know that was the name of it. No, I didn't know that was the name. No. Yeah, that was beautiful, too. When Briscoe runs in, I know does. I don't know what it's called. Like a I didn't even know how to explain it. It's just called a Western rollover. For anybody who's interested, please research what a Western rollover. It's hard to explain. It's a be- <laughs> beautiful move. Goes into a pinfall. Really nice. And then here we get a number of close twos. Where the referee's jumping around like crazy, Mike. You're right. He's flying around. They're trying to catch all the twos. And the crowd is super invested. It's building to a crescendo. And then total clusterfuck at the end. <laughs> yeah. Total clusterfuck. So Murdoch gets pushed into Adonis, which Monsoon correctly calls a tag. And then the referee loses control of who the legal man is and starts counting Murdoch. But it's Adonis. So then Adonis comes in the ring and then the other Briscoe comes in the ring and everybody's like, I guess they just don't know what even they don't know what's going on. And I was so happy and so shocked to hear a 1984 crowd chanting bullshit, bullshit, because I remember (laughs) when I was 10 years old, if I had ever said the word bullshit in front of my parents or my teachers, somebody was going to beat the shit out of me. Like it was a bad, bad word that you couldn't say in public. So I was shocked by that. You had the same impression, Jim, like bullshit was like way over the top for that time. Yeah, I I was like, wow. And like the fact that they didn't edit it at all was surprising. (laughs) Yeah, right. Yeah, I could I could totally see that happening in the garden. Just not at that time. I just you, you don't picture it. It's way, way too early for a bullshit chant. I was surprised by that. Totally surprised. So we go to the finish, right, Mike? The Smaz finish. What do you think? Do you, <laughs> do you think that the finish was supposed to be like a double countout? Do you think like they went for a double fuck finish? Or what do you think was the plan here? And what? how do you think it was executed? What are your thoughts on that finish? Rough. <laughs> <laughs> the dog's even saying the ending stung. <laughs> yeah, it was terrible. Yeah, after the finish, I'm like, fuck, man. I watched the match. It was really good. But the finish, and I felt bad. It was kind of like uh, the couple, what was it, the Johnny, the Valentine. In the, yeah, right, 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 Wild right. Bill right. Curry. Wild Bill Curry, right, 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 right. It's a very similar. we have similar. another one, too, with a, with a shit finish like that, too? Yeah, I the, we yeah, we had another one where the finish was a callback to the, <laughs> it was uh, Piper and uh, Valentine. Okay, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but you're right. Like, as good as this match was, and you know what? It was 29 minutes that flew by. Yeah. Ooh, fuck it, by. Yeah, I was surprised. When you first sent it to me, I was like, like, told me about it. I was like, fuck, 29 minutes. But when I watched it, I got into it right away, and it, it just went by like nothing. But the finish was a big, big disappointment. I wonder, you know, you want to keep the titles on Adonis and Murdoch, and you still want the Briscoes to look good, but there's got to be a better way to have a finish than this, right? Uh, I just it just seemed... to do that with a rematch too, you know. You, you get the you win the match before to get the title shot, and then you got to get DQ'd. Like I don't know how far this went along. 
I would suggest that this match, uh, I asked a, a Briscoe match, prefer, preferably a tag match, because I don't think we've done one yet. But I wanted to do a tag match, and, uh, you know, I, I asked some some recommendations, and this was on was high on the list, along with uh, Ricky Steamboat and Jay Youngblood against the Briscoes, oh, which right, is right. probably incredible, because, right, all those right. guys are, you know, Steamboat's sick. Yeah. You know, Youngblood's yeah. good. But, but I, I really wanted to see uh, Murdoch and Adonis. Yeah, well, I think, to be honest with you, they're great heels, and... I I think they play off each other well because the Briscoes are like the typical pretty boy, good guy, traditional, good old boys. And then you've got these two like street thugs on the other side. I really like that contrast. I find it went over well. Jim, what do you think about the finish? Um, yeah, I, I think that might be intentional booking back in the day when you went to multiple cities. There was no sheets. There was no Internet. Yeah. So you probably just had there was probably co- double count out all across the East Coast. To be honest with you, from a booking standpoint, I think they could have done better. Even if they're going around with that, there's a better way to finish that match. OK, so overall, great match. Just terrible finish. I, I think we're all in agreement. Jim agreed. Yeah. Who the fuck is that guy? Who the fuck is that guy? This week, there are one, two, three, four. Five rounds. Pretty tough. It's not easy this week. Uh, who's going to go first this week, Jim? Who won last week? I believe I was the last Jim. of the two of us to win, so I'll go okay. first. All right. So five rounds. Everybody knows this character, but I don't know if you know any of his character names. When is so it first, over? It's round. So round five is it's over round four. So round four is the last round. And then okay. round five is the, the I'll reveal who it is. Okay. So four rounds. Each of you get two chances. Round one, who the fuck is that guy? Jason. Sid Vicious. Incorrect. Good guess, though, Jimmy. That was the person that came to mind because of Lordy Mungus. Round two, Jim Nelson. Corporal Kirshner. Oh, incorrect. Ooh. Round three. I'm sorry. You're already laughing. That's terrible. I'm sorry. Private Jim Nelson. Don Carnoodle. When I reveal the answer, you'll be disappointed. Okay. That's a good guess. Yeah, good guess. Mike, your last chance. Mr. Russia. Nikita Koloff. Oh, and I win this week. Because the answer is somebody who worked with Don Carnoodle, Boris Zukov. Oh, wow. Yeah, that was really close. Uh. <laughs> What's surprising about this guy, Boris Zukov, is he's American. He's, his name is like Kevin or something like that. Did you know that? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Boris Zukov. He looks so fucking Russian. Right? Yeah, he, yeah his name they is saw the James. They his fucking dome and they just had to turn him into a Russian. <laughs> his name is James Kirk Harrell. <laughs> what the Come hell? on, no way. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so who the fuck is that guy? So this week I win. Because of this week's match, this week's this or that, we're talking about watching on TV, MSG, or Tokyo Dome. Jim? Um, I think I think it's the Dome because it's not 
it's not a fair reason, but the matches are better. Like the matches are like the matches are going to be longer. They're going to be better. Like somebody's going to potentially die. Like I'm I'm there for Tokyo Dome. Mike, just as we were talking about how awesome the Garden was, especially in that era. Yeah. And and I'm and I'm thinking like that era of the Garden because right now it's not you know it's not the same as it was then. Right. Sure. So I'm thinking like that era of the Garden versus the Tokyo Dome. I I got to agree with Jim. You're going to get better matches in the Tokyo Dome. It's a clean sweep this week. I think even though the MSG has like a nice grimy look to it, I, for some reason, I love the lighting of the Tokyo Dome. Like the way that the production appears, even like the old matches, it just looks way more professional. Like they've invested way more into it. And so the entire the ramp and the way the entrances are and the, the entire demonstration of the whole show, I Tokyo Dome matches all day long. Yeah, not that I don't enjoy the the smoky dim yeah. uh, arenas of the old days; those were cool. But it, it, I think for me, it's more about the match quality, yeah. for sure. Do you know who's on the roster? Okay, and the last thing for this week is the roster. Now. Before we do the roster, I have to preface this. I don't have access to this show. And I've been trying ever since we've done the roster to try to make the two of you look like geniuses. But every week you fucking let me down. In the Royal Rumble, you got like three guys after we had just done it a few weeks earlier. So I'm a little bit worried about this week's roster. But I'm hoping you can clear the board. This week's roster is... AEW Full Gear 2020. It's a softball. It's just a year ago. Oh. Mike loves to talk about new matches. So <laughs> Mike better clear the board. Okay, so I want Mike... to disappoint you. I want to disappoint <laughs> you so bad. <laughs> All right, Mike. So you're first. The roster AEW's Full Gear 2020. Mike. Kenny Omega. Correct. Jim? Jericho? Correct. Mike? Hangman Page? Correct. Jim? MJF? Correct. Mike? Nick Jackson? Correct. Jim? Matt Jackson? <laughs> you used Mike's technique from a few weeks ago. <laughs> yeah. The Young Bucks, Matt Jackson. Correct. Mike? Cody Rhodes. Correct. Jim? Sammy Guevara. Correct. Mike? Darby Allen. Correct. Jim? Moxley? John Moxley. Correct. Mike? Cash Wheeler from FTR. Correct. Jim? Orange Cassidy. Correct. Mike? Dex Harwood. Correct. Jim? Jungle Boy. Oh, no. Jungle uh, Boy, incorrect. Damn. Okay, Mike, you guys got pretty 
far through it. Mike, you've got a couple of guesses left still. You got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven people to clean the card, Mike. Who's next? I want to say Brian Cage. No, Brian Cage. Oh. Incorrect. So he hasn't been used much, so it was kind of like an I was gonna if I was yeah. on names, that would have been my last one I probably would have used. If you have any questions or comments, please feel free to write to us at sixmanpodcast at gmail.com. For now, it's time to tag out. <laughs>